Hi, and welcome to the wonderful world of Disney Villains Podcast. I'm your host, Katie, ready to talk about everything Disney. Welcome back. So there is another guest on the podcast for this episode named Ryan from the Soundtrack Your Life podcast. If you have not heard of the podcast, you should definitely go check him out. I'm actually the most recent guest on the podcast talking about the Aladdin Broadway musical. But in this episode, we are talking about the movie Inside Out, completely different. And I was actually very shocked hearing about how closely this resembles his actual life. Yeah, you'll get shocked too. So just listen. You definitely, you definitely don't want to miss it. So I thought we would just start by introducing yourself, talk a little bit about your podcast, and then we'll just jump straight in. Okay. Uh, my name is Ryan Pack. I am the host of the Soundtrack Your Life podcast, which you can find pretty much on every ma- major platform. Um, it's a interview podcast where I interview someone every episode and we talk about a soundtrack that's impacted their life or a soundtrack that they have some sort of personal connection to. Yeah. And I was on there a couple weeks ago, so that was really fun too, talking about Disney. Um, so you had mentioned then that you really resonate with the movie Inside Out, the Pixar movie Inside Out. And so I kind of want to start with um, what about that movie resonates with you so much? Um, you know, is it is it considered your favorite movie because you resonate with it or uh, for other reasons? Yeah, so Inside Out holds a very... Um special place in my heart yeah um as far as you know being able to identify with a movie um that would be the movie for me and i know it's kind of weird because it's a movie about an 11 year old uh, (laughs) white girl yeah i am (laughs) an asian american um, adult man Uh, i actually moved from minnesota at the age of 11 to california which is the same same. So if there's a movie where it's like, this is my story, um, yeah. it's definitely inside out. That is so exact too. I didn't know you moved from Minnesota. So that is like on point, exactly your life. Yeah. So I moved when I was 11, just like, oh my gosh, no kidding. <laughs> and so I moved to San Diego, which is obviously very different from San Francisco, but yeah. you know, a lot of the scenarios in the movie, I kind of felt like I went through something similar you know whether it was like you know being turned off by the food or being you know kind of weirded out by being in a new situation Um, Mm. I definitely felt that Um, I didn't play hockey but um, hockey is a very big thing in Minnesota so I was Mm. definitely a hockey fan gotcha Um, one of my classmates from elementary school was a female hockey player so seeing that kid playing hockey like was not it was something that I was used to seeing. Yeah, you saw it all the time. Yeah. Um, and I believe that kid that I grew up with um, ended up uh, playing on the women's Olympic hockey team as an adult. <gasps> oh, no kidding. So, yeah. you know, a lot of things kind of resonated with me with the movie. Yeah. Um, also, when I was 10, um, the first Mighty Ducks movie came out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's another Disney movie. And that. Um, I don't think a lot of people realize it, but the Mighty Ducks 1 and 3 both take place in Minnesota. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, Yeah, I didn't know that. And I recently watched it, too. So those take place in Minnesota. Um, I believe they go to a professional hockey game in the first Mighty Ducks movie. I I just happened to have gone to that game with my parents. Oh, no kidding. (laughs) Like we saw film crews around. Um, I'm not in the movie or anything, but yeah, um, I think one of my classmates said that 
he asked somebody and they said it was for a project called Bombay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, yeah, you don't want to spoil it, right? So yeah, just yeah. everything with Inside Out. Um, it just felt like it was a movie directed at me. Yeah. Um, and it kind of helped explain a lot of what I went through um, as an 11 year old moving to California, just kind of a lot of the angst I had and kind of why I felt that way. Um, I wish it came out when I was a kid because yeah. I think it would have helped my parents and myself understand what was uh, going why on. it was difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have any like aha moments or was the whole movie like an aha moment for you when you were watching it? Yeah, I think a lot of it, I was, uh, yeah, the whole movie was a big aha moment for mm. me. Just kind of seeing, you know, how this person was internally dealing with things, why, you know, because if you think about it, like from a kid's perspective, if right. you're told, hey, you're going to move to California, you're initially like really excited about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you go know, to Disney um, and Hollywood Studios. <laughs> Right. Like you see all these TV shows like Saved yeah. by the Bell that are about yeah. how like awesome California is yeah, and surfing yeah. and the beach. So there's like a sense of excitement. And especially being from the Midwest, the Midwest is kind of looked at as kind of like flyover country or kind of. Yeah. You um, don't really ever see movies about the Midwest. Yeah. So, you know, initially um, you get pretty excited. And then when reality sets in and mm. you have your first day of school and you're in a class with a bunch of people just staring at you because you're the outsider now yeah um it obviously has you know a pretty big effect on a child yeah well I wanted to ask you too because I mean I didn't know like what year you had moved in terms of diversity in the classroom did you think that feel that there were other Asian Americans that you could relate to or did you feel that it was just overall like everything was different. Yeah. So um, San Diego has a big Filipino American community. Um, okay. And I don't think I had met um, anyone, any Filipino American people before I had moved. So that was, um, you know, it wasn't like a shock, but you know, I was like, Oh, like the Philippines, I've only like seen it on the globe. Yeah. <laughs> not in person. Um, you know, and, and Minnesota is not exactly known for diversity. Mm. Um, so there was definitely a larger um, Asian American segment in uh, San Diego. I think just being like the new kid who, yeah, you know, moved across the country. Years. You're, you know, everyone is kind of comfortable with each other. No one wants to really talk to you, or like mm. that's how it felt. Yeah, and like that's the reality of moving. Like there's the yeah. fantasy of moving and being like, oh, it's gonna be warm all year round. And it's true, you know, no I'm going to go, I'm going to learn how to go surfing and all that stuff. Yeah. And then you get there and you're like, oh, I like, I don't have any friends. And yeah, all these people don't do want to be, yeah, yeah. And all these people don't want to be my friend because they already have friends. Mm. That's why I feel like it's, it's only great when you're an adult moving and you don't have, I feel like it's harder when you're a kid or like a college student and your whole, most of your life resolves around social interactions and relationship building. I, I kind of wonder what Riley's life would have been like if she had moved when she was like 16, you know, if it right. would have led to like bullying or something or, or just, I guess, how it would have been different compared to, you know, her being 11. Yeah. And I think one thing that they kind of slip in the movie or maybe it's after the credits is oh. like, she's starting to go through puberty. Like she brings a, oh. she has a boyfriend. And I think that's definitely part of the story as an 11 year old, like your body is, starting to change in mm -hmm. ways that you don't really understand and that adds another layer to things mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And I actually, I was kind of curious. What, have your parents watched this movie? Uh, they have not. Oh, okay. I was going to ask, because um, I kind of wonder what, what their opinion is of, you know, if they had watched this movie, would they have also had that aha moment of, yes, I saw this, you know, through you, but I didn't know like the internal emotional side of how you were processing and expressing yourself. I was just kind of curious, you know, if your parents had watched that, if, you know, they, from Riley's perspective, were seeing things that you were showing at your age. But then, you know, when they show the emotions, then they can kind of piece it together of, you know, like what was going on and such. But since they haven't seen it, I guess we can't really ask. Yeah, I'm, I had that same idea, like I should show it to my parents. Yeah. Um, it just hasn't happened yet. They don't really view Pixar films the way we do, where, you know, it's a, where they uh, where we realize that, you know, the movie is both for adults and children. Mm, they just yeah. see animation and they're like, oh, it's a kid's movie. <sighs> missing out i mean so the movie you know touches on the idea of of moving and you touched on the idea of moving the movie shows you like a montage right of these are all the things you know that could happen that may possibly happen in this moving process you know you lose your stuff and it takes longer to get there you go to this restaurant they don't have anything that you like or it's a completely different culture you're unfamiliar with it your family is all adjusting and and whatnot let's say hypothetically you know you're you're an adult and you're not taking anything with you and you're moving it could potentially be beneficial right in a sense that you know you're going to learn about something new You, you get to be around you know, delicious, different foods, different types of music. You get to, you know, I guess what people would say, you know, um, be more cultured in some aspects. It's a life-changing, but also like a joyous, like new adventure of sorts. Yeah, I don't think that moving is necessarily a bad thing. In this, you know, in the movie, they moved because the dad got a new job. So obviously that's a positive development for the family. They're not just you know, uprooting her because they're bored. Right. You know, there's a job opportunity. So, you know, it's, you know, it's just harder when, you know, you're at that age to kind of understand yeah. what's going on and to understand the changes going around you. As an adult, it's easier to kind of adapt to change. I think when you're at that age where, you know, you're most likely, or you've just started puberty, like, your body's changing, mm-hmm. you know, you're mm-hmm. st- still developing mentally and emotionally. So everything's uh, awkward. Yeah. So there's just a lot more going on, I think. And then to move from, you know, the Midwest to California, there's definitely a little bit of a culture shock. I think mm-hmm. there's a little bit of a slower pace. Uh, Minnesota's known as uh, Minnesota nice. So oh, really? Okay. Yeah. That's kind of the nickname, uh, one of the nicknames for the state. So it went from like knowing who all our neighbors are to having like some neighbors who weren't really that friendly. I know. (laughs) You know, or, you know, just kind of wanted their privacy. Like it's it's different. Like, you know, when you hear about like the Midwest, you think about like being able to borrow a cup of sugar from your neighbor because you're out and and things like that. So it's definitely different. Um, Not that all people from California mean or anything, but Of course. I think they're, they they have, they definitely kind of go at a faster pace, mm-hmm. you know, and just like seeing people on the street, like in the Midwest, usually they'll just like say hi to you. Oh, 
Um, nice. So, you know, there's definitely a, a little bit of a culture change. And then, mm-hmm. um, you know, food wise, it's very different. Um, but, you know, I came from an immigrant family, so we ate at home most of the time anyway. So, mm. you know, I wasn't having hot dish casserole or whatever, mm-hmm. but, you know, some of the other Midwestern staples that, you know, Minnesota is known for. So like the food wasn't a huge change, but, um, you know, California definitely has a lot more um, variety as far as like what you can go out and eat. And, you know, so that was positive for us. But I think, you know, a lot of it just has to do with like friendship. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. I had all these friends back in Minnesota and, you know, I moved before like cell phones were a common thing. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So uh, keeping in touch with people is a lot more difficult. Yeah. So I think it would be different now where you have social media and you can just, you know, shoot someone a text, you know, it was back in the day where, you know, I would have to write letters and send it through the Mm. mail or, you know. Okay. So before email. It was like right when email was starting. So now everyone had email. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. So, you know, it'd probably be different if I was 11 year old, 11 years old now. Yeah than when I was 11 years old. Because you could Zoom chat. Yeah. Right. You could I could Zoom, Zoom chat, chat now. <laughs> you know, I could just post pictures of my California life and my friends in Minnesota could be like, oh, it's snowing here. I wish it was 60 degrees outside mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. But back then it was, it just felt like it was just like a hard break. Yeah. And I was never going to yeah, see or talk to those kids off. again. And do your parents still live in California now? Yeah. So they're, um, well, they just sold the house that I lived in for many years, but oh wow, um, okay, but yeah, they they basically had been in that house uh, ever since. Ever since we moved. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, have you um, have you taken your family back to Minnesota before? Yeah. So I've been back um, a handful of times. So my best friend's family actually still is over there. Okay. And my mom and his mom are best friends. So that kind of. That's such a long distance relationship. Yeah. So that kind of is, that's kind of the reason why we were able to stay in touch. Yeah. So I'll go back and see them. Yeah. Yeah. Moms love updates. (laughs) And I have some um, cousins back there as well. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I didn't think about that. Did you do family gatherings then? Did you ever like travel back and forth and for holidays or anything like that that um back then it was actually seven or eight years before i went back for the first time actually 10 years 10 years oh it's even longer (laughs) so i didn't go back until i was in college and i could pay for my own ticket to go Mm. back was that a culture shock for you because you probably had gotten used to california by then or did it seem more like it was like oh i feel like you know i feel nostalgic and i feel like i'm coming back home um, it's probably a mix of mix of the two. Mm. So I was really excited to be back and I had so many memories of Minnesota. So it was nice to, you know, see places I was familiar with. But, you know, yeah. obviously in 10 years, a lot has also changed. Yeah, I can imagine, <laughs> especially with technology, because you're saying that email was just becoming a thing. So I can imagine that there, it would, you know, was one more advanced by then. So they probably added some things. Yeah, so, you know, it was nice to see what Minneapolis looked like in the 21st century. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, you know, but it wasn't like a huge shock. It wasn't like, oh, I don't recognize this place anymore. Yeah. Is there, 
and I guess going back to the movie, is there anything that you would want others to know about the movie? You know, like, because I know the movie's been out, what year are we in? Six years? Um, is is there anything for people who haven't seen it or who are like skeptical about seeing it? Because I know for me, when I saw the trailer, I was skeptical about seeing it. And not not because it was the animation, but just because of like the con the the storyline of what the trailer was showing. I was like, I don't know if that's something that I would want to see. So I was just curious for you if there was anything that you have told or would like to tell people who may be on the fence about seeing it. I think the movie it's more easy to digest than than you would think by hearing what it's about. Mm-hmm. So when you hear about, you know, it's a movie that explains like emotions and how mm-hmm. complex they can be. And, you know, if you read if you read interviews about it, how they consulted a lot of people, you know, with PhDs, with, you know, psychological degrees and stuff oh like gosh, that. You would have to. Um, you know, it sounds like you're going to you're going to be watching like a two hour lecture, <laughs> but it's a movie that. <laughs> You know, with what they're, um, with the ideas that they're introducing and talking about, yeah. it's a really e- easy to digest movie. It's like a how to read or how to understand this for beginners or something. Like yeah, like it's still a Pixar film. Like it doesn't feel like you're watching like some super, you know, difficult to like watch a TED independent talk or film. Something. <laughs> yeah, it's not a TED talk. It's not some, you know really dark art house film like it's still a car it's still an animated film and it still feels like an animated film yeah i mean inside out i was looking it up inside out won so many awards and was critically acclaimed for you know showing a family film in such a different light and in such a different way that explains so much but also the only criticism I saw about the movie itself was that it may be hard for younger children to understand and interpret, but it's like a perfect movie for adults is what um, a lot of the reviews were saying. Yeah. It's a very complex movie for children, Mm -hmm. you know, just dealing with um, emotions and understanding that different memories can evoke different emotions at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's definitely for like an older child, you know, probably around that 10 and 11 age mm-hmm. or, or older. Um, I have a toddler at home and, you know, showing her things like Mr. Rogers is mm. a little too complex for her because, you know, it's a it's a show that deals with, you know, emotions and having, right. you know, quiet space yeah. and things like that. I and, love that show. Yeah, it's just a little over her head. At, uh, it's a little over her head right now at, mm. you know, she's a little under two. Um, so I feel like Inside Out would kind of be the same thing where, you know, it's probably a little advanced for a five-year-old or a six-year-old, mm-hmm. but I think once you get closer to like the age of 10, I think they can kind of understand that memories are complex and that they, you know, mm-hmm. can trigger certain emotions in you. Yeah. Well, I also feel like because it's animation, because everything is so bright and colorful that I think it would still captivate younger children, but they, like you were saying, they just wouldn't necessarily understand the entire story arc and what's going on. But they, I mean, I don't have um, a young child. I have a baby, (laughs) but I mean, they might, I would assume that they might still be engaged to look at it. Right. But maybe not necessarily process everything that's going on within it. Sure. Um, You know, it's still a fun movie to watch. Um, there's a bit of a heist in the movie, which, you know, I'm sure they can, um, 
have a good time with. Um, I think the death of Bing Bong or the disappearance yeah. of Bing Bong might be a little traumatizing for some kids if yeah. they're uh, too young. Oh, sacrifice and then, yeah, being gone forever. So we talked about Riley, but also talking about like these emotions have emotions, right? And what I personally thought was interesting about the movie is that because for me, so my big thing is I like to see inclusion of everybody. So I hate watching, you know, like the bullying and like the, you know, picking someone out or like pushing someone aside and not giving people opportunities. And so like, for me, I felt really bad for sadness because at the beginning, you know, they always push sadness aside saying, no, stop touching things. Don't do this. You're ruining everything. But I also feel that that is how society portrays being emotional, being sad, like it's something that I, I always think that society tells us to push down or like swallow down, not show it. Or if you do, you know, go somewhere where you're by yourself and express it there where nobody else can see you only show the joys in your life. Like if you look at social media, um, you know, most people just post like, oh, I'm on vacation or my family and I are doing great. Or, you know, where society has this idea that we should only portray only show you know like our joys and our accomplishments and not show our failures our sadness our emotions and I was just kind of curious like what your thoughts were just from watching the emotions and the emotions having emotions and I and I mean anything else really that comes up about that I was I had similar thoughts where you know it feels like they're just trying to push sadness out of the picture Mm -hmm. and maybe that was a metaphor for how society talks about depression you yeah. know, that it's something that you need to shove aside. Oh my gosh, um, yes. You know, there's, a, I, I can just hear that conversation of, you know, someone telling Riley, uh, you know, you have two loving parents and you live you in a nice so house. You know, and, what yeah. do you have to be sad about? Um, I like how at the beginning, the sadness is kind of portrayed as, you know, something they need to get rid of. But at the end, sadness is embraced as something that is necessary. Right. And celebrated. Yes. I feel like it's really necessary, but at the same time, society is still like pushing back against this movie and what it's telling children, families, for me who has a baby, and I guess for you who has a toddler as well, who will eventually grow up and we have to, you know, teach them how to express emotions, not express emotions, but we should, you know, teach them how to celebrate their emotions and to celebrate expressing whatever they're feeling and processing whatever they're feeling. I feel like, um, for me personally, being like, yes, this is great. You should totally do this. I totally support this. But also society's going to tell you that that sucks, <laughs> you know? Right. Every time I watch this movie now, I'm, I'm always thinking about like, yes, I'm totally going to make my son watch this. We are going to love this. But also how do I have that conversation later in life unless society changes? But I kind of doubt it. Um, how do I tell them, you know, that society is going to tell you this is all wrong and this is all bad and you should only stay with the like first however many minutes of the movie. Yeah, I, you know, and it's so funny because I feel like everyone grows up with Mr. Rogers or yeah. now I guess it'd be Daniel Tiger, which is um, from his company. Oh, I, I'm totally unaware. Yeah. So Daniel, Daniel Tiger um, is made by the Fred Rogers com- company. It's based off his teachings. Mm. Um, and it's, and it's a show that, you know, um, 
it's a show that tries to teach about emotional health. Oh, you know, it's okay to be sad. Yeah. Even okay to be mad, but you know, to express that anger in a in a healthy way. Okay. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. But I feel like every kid kind of grows up with, you know, some form of Mr. Rogers and yeah. then you grow up and then it's like you forget everything that that show taught you. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> Because that show is all about emotional health. And I didn't even think about that until um, the Fred Rogers documentary came out a few years ago, which kind of highlights exactly what he was teaching in the show yeah. and, you know, why he had a deliberate pace about things. You know, it was about not it was about taking your time, not trying to rush into things and trying to be emotionally healthy about things. Yeah. And like the quiet spaces in the show are intentional. Mm hmm. And we all kind of grew up with this, but as life gets busier, I guess, then we're yeah. told to kind of just forget it. Yeah. Forget about your self-care. This needs to be done now because business and work companies demand it. <laughs> right. <sighs> and just recently, I feel like the term self-care became mainstream. Like, I don't think I heard this until like maybe five, 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. I totally agree with that. In my undergrad, this self-care was a mandatory part of our curriculum where like every day in class, we would either like talk about the idea of it or we would do some kind of like meditation or self-care uh, exercise. And actually it was really helpful to understand the content I was learning, to retain the content I was learning. Like it kind of just like cleared my brain and decluttered my brain before learning whatever the lesson was for the day. If not for that, I totally would be under the radar in terms of like even knowing what self-care is and how to do it. Yeah. And I'm still learning exactly what self-care is for me. Mm -hmm. Like I totally understand that we all need it, but it's, you know, I think that's what's tricky is it's different for everyone. Yeah. Yeah, you can't you can't really put like a an answer, a question answer, like an equation answer to it because yeah, like you're saying, and it depends on like you know your upbringing, your learning style, your what you consider to be relaxing, and like so many factors. I feel, um, I feel like I'm always changing what my perception of self care is for me, just because everything around me is always changing. Like when you're reading about everything that happened in the past year. I was like, well, I'm not going to do this for self-care anymore because I feel like I need to upgrade and <laughs> because everything is so awful right now, I need to upgrade and do something that's even even more intense <laughs> just to combat everything that's been going on so that I can process and be level-headed about everything. Right. You know, I think a lot of people probably before the last year thought self-care was like spending more time at home and taking things a little bit more slowly. But last year kind of forced us all to do that. Mm -hmm. So it's like, well, I need self-care from that. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. now I've had too much of that. Yeah. And then um, just to close out, I don't I didn't know if you had Disney Plus, but I wanted to ask you um, if you had seen the Pixar in real life, the little short series that they have on Disney Plus, because they haven't the first episode is Inside Out. So they have the Inside Out console in the middle of a park and they have actors who are um, portraying whatever emotions that people are clicking on and so random people just come up and then they press like oh this button or that button of the different emotions you know that the emotions um, press when they're when they're helping Riley and the people uh, the actors actually like act out whatever they click on and there's like three different scenarios there's like a mom and daughter there's like a couple and 
um, I think two friends and a lot of people always pressed, I think it was like disgust and sadness or sadness and anger. A lot of people like press those buttons. I don't, I don't remember if anybody clicked fear, but just seeing people in real life, I guess, essentially controlling someone's emotions was really interesting. I thought they had like a whole, they had like Wally and um, the Incredibles and other, but I was just curious if you had seen that before, if you have, what was your, what was your thoughts? Did you find it entertaining? Um, I haven't seen it yet. We have Disney plus. I, I definitely need to check that out. Um, I did see a documentary about like the fear of death. Oh, and, oh my gosh. Um, part of that documentary, there was a study um, where they had people come in and they would give them like a bottle of hot sauce and like a like a little thimble of yeah. or like a little container thing, a paper container. And based on like the questions they asked, they would ask the person like how much hot sauce they would give to like some stranger next yeah. to them. And you know, obviously like the angrier the question made them, the more hot sauce they want, <laughs> want to give. So I, I feel like for for some reason I thought of that um part of that documentary when you know you said that all the people were pressing the like fear or the well, the anger and the disgust yeah, button. Yeah. I, I feel like that kind of tracks with, with you yeah. know, people's natural, like, you know, people know what happy looks like, so they don't want to see happy. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like they just pressed happy as like a last resort. They were like, well, we might as well try all the buttons since they're all here. Right. <laughs> and I think actually there was one person who was up there who was like, we should, we should press happy. It should end on a good note. They should have a happily ever after. <laughs> that's funny yeah but it's it's only like five minutes it's super short and i i wish it was longer it's the same like dialogue the script is the same for each um set of actors that you see so you see those over and over and you know how they're going to portray those emotions but obviously the people around don't i think seeing their reaction is more is um more of the entertainment than the actual people themselves but i will say like i personally found the disgust one to be really funny because I feel like in the movie she wasn't really you didn't really see her that much or like her showing and expressing disgust that much aside from the broccoli on the pizza but um I thought it was funny whenever they pressed that one because you could really see like the different forms of disgust or like the different ways people could show or express disgust around different topics like food or like I can't believe you're trying to get frisky with me or or something like that or like there are different things but I thought yeah that was really I'm actually gonna probably go rewatch it because I liked it that much no but that sounds really funny I mean I've in the movie um disgust kind of gets the shaft of things but I think that's kind of accurate with children like what they view as disgust is very simple Mm-hmm. And hopefully they're not feeling it a lot. Yeah. I, I think I disgust like... becomes a lot more prevalent as you get older. <laughs> yes. Oh, for sure. Hey, Katie here. All by myself again. I wanted to talk about something that I didn't even actually realize until after Ryan and I had talked. And by that, I mean like weeks after. If you watch Inside Out and you really think about it, you might notice something there's no villain and you know feel free to disagree i mean there's no villain in the stereotypical sense of disney movies there's no dragon to slay there's no witch or magical being or other to overcome or battle in in the literal sense right 
her, well, Riley, so Riley's hero's journey is to find balance within herself as she grows up and experiences new things and, and navigates life, which is something that Ryan and I did talk about. And I wanted to read this paragraph from the article, Why the Key Character in Inside Out is the One Who Isn't There by Linda Holmes, um, available on NPR, and I'll also include the link. Admittedly, there's something very lonely about Inside Out. If you compare its external structure and Riley's journey through her physical world to traditional kids' movies, there's no donkey from Shrek, or Abu from Aladdin, or Timon and Pumbaa from The Lion King cheering her up with Hakuna Matata. This respect for the role of melancholy in the lives of kids is very Pixar, but it's particularly acute here. There are no other Incredibles, there's no Eve, there's no Doug the dog. Riley's allies and boosters in this adventure are not made or met along the way. They are summoned. They are hers. In fact, they are her. Her mom and dad love her and she needs them and they can help and they must help. And like I said, I'll include the link if you want to read the rest of the article, which I thought was really interesting. And this was right when, I think that this came out when the movie came out, so about five or so years, five or six years ago. But it is interesting, you know, there, there is no sidekick. Riley is technically alone in this new place, in this new school. Um, yes, her parents are there, but her parents don't go to school with her. And I think it's relatable. If you're a new student at a new school, you're not gonna have a sidekick character like Olaf or Hey Hey <laughs> Chicken or other, you know, you're gonna do it on your own. And maybe we could look at the emotions, joy, sadness, anger, fear, and disgust like the typical, hmm, I would say animal sidekick characters. Um, I, I know there are other sidekick characters that are not animals, but I feel like a lot of them tend to be animals. Riley doesn't know that they're there or what they look like. They don't communicate with her. They help her express herself, but in a non-communicative way, I guess if that makes sense. So to Riley, she only has her parents, but from our perspective, we know that she has more. And you could argue sadness, you know, starts as a villain, but I'd have to say that you're wrong. (laughs) The idea of sadness and depression should never be considered evil or a bad thing, in my opinion. If we're looking at Joy's point of view, we can totally view sadness as a somewhat bad person. And I cringe saying that. In the eyes of Joy at the beginning of the movie, when everything about Riley's life is supposedly joyful and happy, yeah, realistically, you know, sadness may be putting a damper on it, but she's not a bad person. She's doing her job and, you know, expressing herself. And realistically, we all know that being joyful and happy all the time is not even accurate or realistic to life. I mean, and I know it doesn't have to, you know, mimic and be exactly like life, but I mean, it kind of is, isn't it? And I personally doubt anyone could be happy all the time. You can argue that, but have you seen the first 10 minutes of Up? If you haven't yet at this point in time, you should go watch it. And after the first 10 minutes, let me know how you're feeling. Is it a bad thing that there's no villain? Probably not. Do you physically battle dragons and magical beings on the daily? Probably not. Metaphorically? Yeah, you probably do. I personally think this movie is great at depicting that. They don't, there doesn't have to be a villain to face an uphill battle to win or lose. Um, Whether it's physically or emotionally or mentally, 
there doesn't have to be a villain to face all those things or to experience those things. And side note, every time I think of Uphill Battle, I think of Miley Cyrus's song. All in all, I am not an expert or even remotely close to the topic of emotions. I'm not a counselor or a therapist or someone who even has a lot of experience with thinking about my own feelings and the ways I express myself. So thank you for listening to my TED Talk and I will see you next time.